Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit robblack.com. Robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Today is the day. Holy mackerel. It's Fed Day. And is this the long-awaited day where we get a pause? After 15 months of seeing interest rates hike higher, hike higher, hike higher. Is this the month? It's big on Wall Street because when you value money, if it's cheap cost of money, you can speculate a little bit more. If it's a high cost of money, you speculate a lot less. And that could be me and my business. It could be you and your business. It could be you and your grocery shopping. When meat prices spiked egregiously, I know that I was a lot more careful about what I bought when I bought because I was going to have no spoilage. So when costs change, we change our patterns. Days, a big day with Federal Reserve. Yesterday played out in a similar fashion to how it has in the last two weeks where we saw a little bit more breath in the market. Small caps outperformed large caps. That's a good thing. I can't say that I'm wildly excited by the valuations on the S&P 500 at this point in time. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Should you chase this rally? Toyota was a big winner yesterday after they announced a new battery for EVs that'll get 620 plus miles versus the current batteries that are getting about 300, 320. It's pretty interesting. Toyota's hired today as they've reappointed their chief executive. Toyota's playing a little bit of catch up. Not Heinz 57 catch up, different kind of catch up. Yesterday, the big news was that inflation slid to a two-year low. So whether you're dealing with high prices of eggs, but egg prices are dropping. High prices of food, rent. Energy. It's nice to see inflation come down. Energy is doing a lot of the heavy lifting right now. Art of pulling inflation down to 4% last month from 4.9% the month before. Gas prices plunged almost 20% last year from last year's levels. Last year was when Russia was invading Ukraine, sent fuel costs to the moon. So it's good. What else brought it down? They say revenge spending is bringing down inflation. Americans splurged on vacations, leisure, and recreation. And what economists call revenge spending after COVID. We've been locked up for such a time that now is the time we're going to stretch our legs and spend our wallets. So airfare prices dropped 13% annually in the month of May. Hotel demand is below 2019 levels. Good. It may not be good for social media. Look at me. I'm in Italy. Look at me. I'm somewhere you're not. Food prices are still up. After staying flat the previous two months, showing how inflation is persistent in grocery store shelves. 
eggs dropped 14%. That's the biggest one-month decline since 1951. And I wasn't born in 51. Rent is still propping up inflation, but we talked about that on yesterday's episode. When you basically sign a lease, you're signing it for a year. So it's going to take a little bit longer to see some of these shelter costs come down. And they have started. Softening, not weakening, softening. So Fed Chairman Powell is going to speak today. He will announce a pause in interest rates. That's the expectations after 10 consecutive increases. If inflation continues to drop like it did last month, he may lower interest rates. If inflation spikes back up, he may start to raise interest rates. Now it's going to be, I think, data dependent. Donald Trump was reigned in Miami courthouse yesterday. Former president turned himself into authorities, pled not guilty to charges that he illegally hoarded classified documents after he left the White House and blocked the government's attempts to get them back. I believe it's the blocking the government attempts to get them back that has got him into trouble. As it's been pretty well publicized that taking documents is pretty common. But when asked for them back, you give them back. The owners of the Westfield San Francisco Center Mall, the one of the city's main tourist areas, handed over the keys to lenders with $558 million in outstanding mortgage debt. There is a challenging operating condition in downtown San Francisco right now. A lot less foot traffic, sales declines. This is the mall where Nordstrom's was located, where I've bought many at a jacket. Um... Of note there, I won't shop. But it used to be kind of a thing to take the train in to shop in San Francisco. I say no now. Uh, it's just not, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting older. Uh, a baby AI startup landed a historic investment. Now is the time we're going to start seeing AI investments spread to smaller companies. Maybe I'll talk about that on today's show. A French startup founded by former Meta and Google researchers raised $113 million in Europe's biggest seed round ever. That's pretty impressive. People don't want to risk sitting on the sidelines. Google's being called upon by the European Union to stop acting in an antitrust kind of way. Google's advertising technology practices breach EU antitrust laws. Google's face a breakup of its ad business. What's interesting to note about that, it would probably send the stock higher. So let's talk about what do you do right now with the stock market? Do you chase the rally or not? A Wells Fargo strategy in favor of, cha- of chasing the rally. Now, I, I've seen two great articles on this. This one's a good one uh, by Wells Fargo. And yesterday I read a research report about Instead, you should be buying small cap stocks instead of buying large cap stocks. I kind of agree with both of them. And yet they send mixed messages. U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo is in favor of fading the year to date gains and equities and adopting a defensive position in anticipation of a bumpy ride. I look at Apple and its valuation. I own shares of Apple. And it's really tough to get excited about the next six months in Apple. 
I see what U.S. Bank has seen. Equities have rallied this year despite analysts' warning of an oncoming economic downturn, buoyed in part by expectations that cooling inflation will allow the Federal Reserve to reverse some of its interest rate increases. Annual gains in consumer prices slowed to 4% in May from 9.1-9.2% in mid-2022. So Wells Fargo is expecting a recession. They say the S&P 500 is up 14% this year. While inflation's moderated, it's still double the Fed's 2% target. For us, that was a great CPI number, a little bit below expectations. But let's face it, the Fed is not going to be satisfied with that. We think inflation will be below 3% by year end. Big event coming up in San Carlos, Pints and Portfolios at the end of May. It's about 10 days left to sign up if you want to get a free portfolio review and grab a beer with me on a Sunday afternoon. That would make me happy. You can sign up for the event at Rob Black Show. Join Rob Black in San Carlos Sunday, June 25th for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with $500,000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide Provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required. So go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. So there's a big wait and see vibe ahead of the Fed decision at two o'clock Eastern. I guess that's about 11 o'clock Pacific, right? Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's press conference will begin at 1130 Pacific time. I, that's one of the press conferences that I listen to because I sort of have to. And I kind of hate it. Um, it's just I, I, the reporters feel kind of squirrely to me in the way they ask questions. Some of them are great. I, I'm not knocking them all. There's just one that I, I particularly find. He kind of like preps his sentences to make him sound really smart. Steve Leisman from CNBC. I'm not a big Steve Leisman fan. There used to be an economist on CNBC named Marcy. Um, probably won't remember her last name at this point in time. Was it Marcy McGregor? Who was it? Uh, Marcy Russell. Um, and I had an amazing crush on her 25 years ago. Just when she came on, she's just so smart. Something about smart and put together clothes. Just it's very sexy to me. Marcy Rousseau, uh, she's my favorite economist from CNBC. Steve Leeson, not so much. Sonos has laid off 7% of its workers or about 130 employees. They make speakers. I don't see a long-term life for them. Um, I see maybe Google or Apple acquiring them if they want it to. But there's nothing special about speakers. They're lovely. They're lovely speakers. They're great. I have probably 10 of them in my, my various homes. And they, they're great. They're not smart. 
but they're lovely and they're wireless and they're pretty darn cool. It's cool to sit on the couch and pull your phone out and have your speakers turned into a, a playground, so to speak. So it's a big Fed day. That we know. Uh, what else do we know? Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is underperforming due to losses in United Healthcare, which warned about rising costs. Twenty percent of our economy is healthcare. In some way, shape, or form, I think you should understand that when you approach investing. I got an email yesterday from a man who showed how his kids have outperformed the stock market in the last ten years, and it's it's pretty funny. Um, and he said what I say. I don't think I'm smarter than you. I know that I work harder than you. I know that I look at stocks every single day. I know I look at investments every single day. I was a registered investment advisor. I helped grow a firm to 600 million in assets and sold it to EP Wealth. Um, I know the business side of it. I know the investment side. I think the, the Malcolm Gladwell wrote that book, Outliers where he contends much of luck is about being at the right place at the right time. And this email that I got, basically, he said the same thing. <clears throat> My kids have outperformed, but I bet they don't over the next 10 years. And it's worthy of note that Apple is a $3 trillion company. NVIDIA is a $1 trillion company. And to keep that valuation, they have to keep selling high-priced products for a long period of time. Same thing with Microsoft. Same things with Google. Google's being accused of antitrust violations in the EU today. Stocks down big? Nope. Stocks down one quarter of 1%. Um, Target's moving higher today, finally, after uh, weeks of selling pressure, maybe because of the pride situation, maybe because they had a poor quarter compared to Walmart. Um, and when I say the pride situation, I'm not downplaying it. I'm not trying to be flip. Um, Bud Light has lost its number one status of beer in the United States because of the pride situation. For lack of a better word, critics slammed the association of Dylan Mulvaney, who showed off a personalized can of Bud Light. The company sent her as a gift. Dylan Mulvaney is a transgender social media influencer. Um, Target got into... Uh, this sticky situation as well. Bud Light has lost its number one title of selling beer. If I'm an executive at Budweiser, there's going to be conversations about, do we do this next year or not? Now, again, you pull the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ positive reinforcement messaging, and, and then maybe you get that community mad at you. Starbucks union, some unions of the stores are saying that they're not allowed to show pride decorations. It is a really complicated mess. And I'm going to tell you again, let's just say it out loud one more time. Bud Light is no longer America's top selling beer. I wouldn't wash my car with Bud Light. It's so watered down. Oh, oh, I should say who the number one beer is, shouldn't I? Modelo, Modelo Especial. Lovely beer. Um, I'll get Modelo when I'm barbecuing uh, out by the pool, sunny day, getting a little cancer on my skin, getting a little cancer in the meats that I'm cooking up. 
Uh, Bud Light is no longer the nation's top selling beer, punctuating the impact of the boycott that followed the brand's controversial promotion of a transgender activist. I, if you're Bud Light, if you're Target, if you're Starbucks, you have to have these conversations. Uh, top press release of the day, Snoop Dogg and Jack in the Box are teaming up for a munchie meal. Oh, man. Am I the only one who I, I get the vibe of one or two Snoop Dogg, little, little Snoop Dogg songs? I couldn't name three. I and it's almost unrecognizable to me because I'm just in other worlds, right? Okay, so this is what you get if you get the munchies from my guest legalized marijuana, and you want to get a jack in the box in the middle of the night. It's available nationwide through August six. For fourteen bucks, you get a crunchy taco, a spicy sauced and loaded chicken sandwich, medium curly fries a big brownie and a Sprite or drink of your choice. I don't know. Munchie meal, 14 bucks for a taco, a sandwich fry. Like here's the thing about Jack in the box. And I'm, I'm just saying this cause I'm older. Anytime I eat Jack in the box, I feel ill. My stomach feels like, uh, why did you do that? I probably have only eaten Jack in the box twice in the last 15 years to be fair. But fast food and me do not agree anymore. So the markets are moving higher. Well, the Dow's not. But again, that's because of a healthcare company, United Health, saying costs are out of control. And I think we all have been to the doctor and said costs are out of control. The SP 500 and the NASDAQ both are performing well. Russell 2000 is underperforming. I want to see the Russell 2000 beat the regular markets for three months in a row. I want to see that kind of widening out of winners on Wall Street. I don't like tech stocks and underperformers. I like widespread breadth of winners. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big event coming up in San Carlos, Pints and Portfolios, May 25th. Sign up today at Rob Black Show. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Fed's dot plot is going under the microscope today. If you don't know what a dot plot is, you probably will by the end of today's show or by the end of the day on the market. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news that you can use. I've been opening my day on Wall Street for over 20 years with briefing.com and reading Mr. O'Hare's articles and uh, other people as well. There's some great economic calendars. There's you can punch your portfolio in and track stocks and breaking news on them. Um, a lot of great little features here and there. It takes some, it takes some exploring, though. Mr. O'Hare, Fed Day. You, you excited? Yeah, good morning, Rob. Um, Always exciting, yes, to uh, hear from the Fed. Um, This one, though, uh, I would argue might be a little anticlimactic. It seems that the uh, market has a pretty good sense of what it's likely to hear from Fed Chair Powell and from the FOMC. So I guess if there's going to be an outsized reaction today in the market, it would result from from what would be deemed a, a truly hawkish surprise. It would be kind of funny in an economic kind of way to start the press release by saying we're raising interest rates 50 basis points because no one 
is expecting that. Why do you think it's why do you think we know so much about what the Fed's going to do? Everyone on CNBC, everyone on Bloomberg seems to think it's a pause and that we may have to raise interest rates later. Inflation continues to show its head every now and then. Why do you think it is that we know so much? Well, I I guess you can credit it to the the Fed's own communication policy, frankly. Um, I think under Fed Chair Powell, this Fed has been uh, more open with its communication channel and in terms of its signaling. And, uh, and, and, you know, you hear, you know, plenty of, uh, comments from Fed presidents and Fed governors, uh, that pretty, give a pretty good sense of, you know, what they might do. And then, and then you see the reaction, uh, you know, handicapped in the Fed funds futures market. And, and this is a Fed that has, uh, you know, doesn't really, you know, want to make a living out of surprising the markets, certainly in a negative fashion. And so, it has, you know, pretty much gone along with what the market has allowed for it to do based on what the market heard or thought it heard the Fed, these Fed officials saying. So we have a very, very low probability of about five, six percent uh, priced into the Fed funds futures market for any rate hike today. So that's why I would say I said uh, it's going to be, you know, take somebody a really, truly hawkish surprise here to get the market you know, uh, acting up in a negative way, I think. And, and, uh, and I think that, you know, um, uh, it all boils down though to it. The Fed likes to, you know, Powell likes to build consensus. I think he likes to have uh, less volatility, uh, believe it or not, in the capital markets. And, uh, and they're trying to achieve that through an open communication channel that gives the market some pretty good, uh, uh, insight into what's going to happen at any given meeting. And then I would add one other point, uh, you know, there's a so-called Fed whisperer at the Wall Street Journal, Nick Timoreos, okay. uh, and uh, it's seen as if, uh, you know, when he writes an article uh, a little bit before the Fed decision, it's kind of taken as a uh, as a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a, a unspoken message uh, coming out of the Fed of what they're likely to do. And the latest article from, uh, from Nick uh, suggests that they're likely to hold uh, at this particular meeting, but also signaled that... You know, they're still very open to the idea of raising rates again, possibly even as early as July. You very intelligently or I don't want to use brilliantly. I don't want you to get too big of a head, but I thought it was very (laughs) insightful in your article today. uh, Waiting to not be surprised by the Fed that you highlighted the Russell 2000s up 8.4% this month and the S&P mid cap 400 index up 7.3%. Amazing returns. You highlighted that the equal weighted S&P 500 is up 5.7%. You also highlighted the NASDAQ composites up 4.9% and thus up 29.7% for the year. Phenomenal. Um, I think you're trying to say the breadth of the market's getting better, but the NASDAQ still continues to push ahead. And Is there going to be a problem with the large caps taking a break if we get the small caps and mid caps a little bit of time to catch up? Um, you know, possibly at the, you know, the market cap weighted level, right, is because they are so, you know, monstrous, right? right? And so you can get, you know, if you get the Apples and the Microsofts and then, you know, NVIDIAs and, you know, those com- those particular stocks, you know, consolidating, pulling back a little bit, it's going to create a, you know, a, a real headwind for the market cap weighted S&P 500. But I think, you know, that's fine if you're getting reallocation into other areas of the market that have not participated, you know, very much. And so you get more of a churning effect. And ideally, 
I think that's what you would like to see happen. Um, there's so much concentration, it seems, in these mega cap names uh, that it's created some real doubts about the sustainability of this tremendous advance we've seen year to date. So to see market breadth widening out is an encouraging signal. And, and you know, what's interesting about the equal weighted S&P 500, um, you know, being up, you know, 5.7% for the month, it's still only up uh, like 5% for the year. So what that means is that it was actually down for the year coming into this month. So, so the entire, you know, gain for the year has happened over the last, you know, what, 10 trading sessions or so. And, uh, but that's, you know, that's, that's been forged out of this notion that maybe the economy can achieve a soft landing, um, or at least, you know, avoid a hard landing. And, and also predicated on this belief that the Fed, even though they might raise rates again in July, is uh, close to actually being done with, with, its, uh, with its rate hike campaign. And it's been a long uh, rate hike campaign on the upside. So I think a lot of people are getting excited by that. Can you explain to me what you see in the dot plot? I want to go back to the Fed because you just talked about the economy not hitting a recession or maybe not hitting a recession. I think the dot plot has something to do with the thinking of the Fed and the dot plot and the economy kind of all tied together in my head. Yeah. I mean, personally, I kind of hate the dot plot. Great. I love that. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just a bunch of dots on a page, right? It kind of, maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't, but they're just their best guess as to where things might go. Um, but, you know, uh, I think right now, you know, the, the projection coming out of that, uh, March meeting. So the Fed updates these dot, this dot plot and its summary of economic projections on a, you know, quarterly basis here. And so, you know, they're projecting that the, you know, the, the median, uh, you know, Fed funds rate would be 5.1%, you know, uh, for 2023. And, you know, we're right in that neighborhood now, but what we're seeing in the Fed funds futures market is, you know, the, potential about a 65% or so probability that the Fed will raise rates uh, one more time in July. And then, then that would likely be the end of it. And so I think that the, you know, along the lines of what we were talking about a little bit earlier in the Fed, not necessarily wanting to uh, um, surprise the market, if you will, it, it, it seems given the mixed discourse we've heard from some Fed officials who are, there's a, there's a body of officials who say we still need to raise rates more. There's another body that says, Hey, let's wait. Um, but I think in all likelihood, you see that so-called dot plot reflect at least one more rate hike, uh, you know, before the end of the year here. And so there'll be some attention on that. And then the market can kind of get a better sense if it's right about this notion it has that the Fed could be close to ending its rate hike campaign. Is there anything else that we need to be focusing on today? I know the market's going to make a major change or it has a different vibe after the Fed announces their decision today at 11 p.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Pacific time. P.m. would be kind of interesting. Um, is there anything where we should be? Should we be looking at valuations or should we be looking at the strength of the retail numbers? What are you uh, thinking out there other than the Fed? Well, it was interesting that, you know, the market did kind of gloss over the producer price index uh, yep. release uh, that came out before the open today. And, you know, you and I have talked for a while and you know that I've been skeptical about the, the ability to uh, live up to earnings expectations here in the second half of the year. And, you know, um, but I 
you know, you have to concede that that was a that was a good inflation report in the sense that it, it offered some reprieve for corporate profit margins, frankly, because you see within the body of that report how uh, lower energy costs, lower freight costs. Uh, are helping to drive down uh, inflation at the wholesale level. Um, and so there's an encouraging trend uh, taking place there. And that could be supportive here as we move forward if that trend stays intact um, for profit margins, which have been, you know, uh, they come down some, you know, from their peak, but they're holding up reasonably well. And so the key here now is to keep the consumer spending, uh, um, you know, pretty, uh, freely, uh, and then you get some operating leverage there that helps boost the bottom line, and that could keep you know profits growing at a better clip than what we've been expecting them to grow, and that ultimately helps take some of the pressure off of what are perceived as some high valuations right now with the S P 500 trading at about a close to a 10 percent premium to its 10-year historical average, but. Uh, but if we get some improvement on the earnings prospects front, uh, then you can kind of tolerate some of those higher valuations, uh, knowing that inflation should continue to come down and that that could also alleviate uh, some of the pressure on terms of policy rates here in the future. That kind of calms me down in a nice way. Um, thank you, because hey, I'm a little anxious about the valuations. In about 15 seconds or less, any last thoughts? Well, let's let's keep our eye on those valuations. You know, so this is one report, one month. It's a good thing. You know, we mm-hmm. want to see this trend continue here. But uh, but we do have to keep an eye on the fact that the market cap weighted S P five hundred at least is trading at a premium. But there is some value there that's occurring still on the equal weighted basis uh, as that index trades at a discount to its historical average. Good stuff. Good stuff. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com, a reliable source of information. I've used the service for 20 plus years. We're waiting on the Fed today at 11 a.m. Pacific time and then the news conference at 1130. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing and more. This interview featured on the Rob Black show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Something interesting is happening in show business. Streamers are kind of ruining the industry. When I say streamers, I'm talking about Disney. I'm talking about Warner Brothers, Discovery. If I created a TV show, and I've got one plan for when I retire from finances, about a little girl, and I won't give away too much of the premise, but it's been an idea in my head for 20 plus years. And I can't wait to put pen to paper. Um, but I probably should have done it 20 years ago because it was more lucrative to be a creator 20 years ago than it is today. Shows now and movies now are being made for the streamers and they're not sold around anymore. You won't see the flash hit Netflix anytime soon. Once it gets out of the movie theaters, it'll land on Warner Brothers Max. That's it. There'll be no residuals. There'll be no extra projects for it. Uh, Hollywood has taken the money a lot like the PGA took Saudi Arabia's money and merged with Liv. The money grab is tied towards residual rights and writer's rights, and, and, and it's pretty complex. When you start looking at how the producers pay the directors, how the producers pay the writers, how the producers pay the actors. But the lack of syndicatability, 
there's there's not going to be another Jerry Seinfeld. He sold Friends for what was it ridiculous, like a hundred million plus dollars, numerous times to various groups. That's not happening anymore. So this weekend we're going to get the Flash. Warner Brothers feature arrives at time for significant change over at Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, it's dramatic these days. Ezra Miller, he's an incredibly likable man on screen. His, his, they's personal life. He goes by they, them. And see, I can't even say it right. He goes by they, them. I should say Ezra Miller goes by they, them. He's had a little bit of controversy in his life since making this film years ago. Now, The Flash is getting great reviews, but the last two Warner Brothers movies in the superhero world, Black Adam and Shazam Fury of the Gods, were disasters. Panned by critics, underperforming at the box office. Now, we know James Gunn of Marvel Cinema uh, Studios. Formerly, he did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He's also done other films. He's, I think he's a great director. He's fun. He's come over to Warner Brothers to try to bring that sense of comic book that he does so well at presenting on the screen to Warner Brothers. That's positive. Now, the negative, let's go back to Ezra Miller. They made headlines in 2024 video that showed them appearing to violently choke a fan. Other incidents occurred when he was arrested or they were arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and harassment at a karaoke bar in Hawaii. Miller has also been accused of grooming minors. Of breaking into someone's home and stealing alcohol. Not exactly what you think of a superhero, right? So the whole DC extended universe and Warner Brothers chose not to put Ezra Miller through the um, uh, how shall we say publicity run. Now again the publicity run is not even there right now because they're a writer strike. You can't go on Kimmel. You can't go on Fallon. So I don't know what publicity they would have been getting but you get the idea that this has been very problematic. So they're not spending a lot on promotion. I just think the, the movie industry is in a, in a, in a Hollywood's in a tough position right now. TV shows aren't what they used to be. Not even close. And I was talking with my producer this morning about HBO's or Max's, um, The Idol, and how ratings fell from episode one to episode two. And that's typically not good. And they're under a million viewers, so it's not exactly a smash hit. And yet it cost big money. And we can't just wait for White Lotus 3. We can't just wait for... Uh, TV shows now are done in 10 episodes and he was being cute when he said, yeah, it typically takes like three seasons to get a show to, you know, flush out its characters and, and get life into it. Um, I think succession did beautifully by ending after four, but it only eight to 10 seasons, of, uh, eight to 10 episodes a season. It's pretty short. And again, the money's just not there anymore. Succession's just going to stay in Max's vault for years and years and years. It might make its way out of Netflix, but it might not. It's more important for Netflix and Disney to create shareholder value than it is to show the studios raising big money. 
yesterday Disney came out and showed where their movies are going in the next five to 10 years. And I believe that Avatar five won't end until 2030 or after. So I know you're saying well, we're just on Avatar two. Yes. But due to the writer's strike, a lot of projects are already starting to be pushed back three to six months. Avatar three is late to 2025. It was supposed to come out next year. Um, so everything's getting a little bit mucked up already. Uh, Marvel also announced that Blade is going to open in uh, February 2025. The Avengers, the Kang Dynasty is going to be May 2026. So everything's getting a little bit pushed back. A couple Star Wars films are, are slated to come back after it's been four years since the last Star Wars films. In an interesting rumor, Disney's, and this is a rumor, there's talk that Disney will spin off the Star Wars franchise because they have too much on their plate. I don't know about that, but we'll see. Anyhow, anyway, big event coming up in San Carlos, May 25th, Pints and Portfolios. It's a chance for someone with $500,000 more heading towards retirement or in retirement to get a portfolio review to see what's missing, what you're doing right, and to have a beer with me. It's, uh, last event was fun. Let's do it again. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Join Rob Black in San Carlos Sunday, June 25th for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with 500000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com.